overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on His people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible. Good evening, and welcome to Embarrassment of Riches. Good evening. That sounds incredibly, incredibly formal. That's all I'm saying, because you said you were going to toss it to me to introduce, so now I'm scared. Now you're scared. I won't, <laughs> I, I, I won't make that mistake again. I don't feel like either one of us want that. No. Well, Laura came over early today Oof. because um, we were, we're, we're trying to make a promo video for... It's not going well. <laughs> the Women's Ministry Fall Kickoff Brunch. On August 20th at 10, which we said like nine times. In downtown Plano. In downtown Plano. And That's we're right. super excited about it. So we're, we're making some promotional videos because this year, um, Laura and I get to be a part of it. And we're super excited about doing Embarrassment of Riches live with... Jess is super excited. She's super I excited, I get a pit too. in the bottom of my stomach. Yes. But anyway, we're making, we're making, we're trying to make a promotional video and it's not going... I would not, I mean, so it's given me some compassion for a random group of people, which are the actors on Saturday Night Live, um, because I can now relate to them writing something in the writer's room and thinking it's very funny, and then actually performing it, and it is in fact not. Bomb! It is not funny, (laughs) which is... Yeah, so y'all will likely see us bomb. Um, and hopefully love us anyway. Yes. And we're okay with you laughing at us, not because of us. Yes. Well, and, and we have kind of, um, our, our idea of how we're going to promote these videos, like what we're doing is, is evolving and like, and you're, you're, you'll probably see that evolution in, in real time, right? You may get to witness that. <laughs> that we will evolution. See, we will see. Well, we have a special guest tonight. We have Joanna Reed. Hi. Who I Hello. affectionately call Joanna Gaines over and over again for and some unknown reason. I regularly call Renee because also. you and your daughter look so I think similar. it's because Reed and Gaines, like they're both kind of like very Anglo, you know, waspy kind of names. Mm. And, I am an interior design major. And oh, they're are a you? connection. Nice. Yes. And also I think there's there's one syllable, but for some reason, um, yeah, I I keep I keep referring to you as Joanna Gaines and Kyle's like Jojo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Kyle knows yeah, that. Jojo. Really yeah. He knows sweet. Chip and Jojo. <laughs> it's very sweet. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Glad to be here. So tell us first, how long you have been at DBC? Well, we came, uh, for the Awanas program. We were living farther downtown. Um, and our church didn't have an Awanas program. Mm-hmm. And so we started coming when Renee was like, just, you know, the year before school started, mm-hmm. before kindergarten. Um, and that was our first connection with DBC. Uh, but officially, we've probably been here. Let's see. I have to count my kids' age. So we've probably been there 10 years now. Wow. Um, which is kind of funny. That's like one of the older 
categories of people now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so. I feel that way even saying we've been there six years. I feel like I regularly meet people that have been there months or one or two years. I'm starting to meet people at church where I think, oh, yeah, we're like the same age. And then I'm realizing we look not like you don't, they don't feel the same way about me that I feel about no, them. No, that's like me when I hang out with teenagers. Yeah. Like, we're the same age. I like, relate no, to you totally. I old. get all your you're stories. You're old and you're not cool and you're not funny to us. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So y'all been there 10 years. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your, an overview of your life. The early life. Up, your early life. Um, <laughs> a little bit, which I know some of your story. Um, so I know overview may be. Yeah. We um, grew up in Mesquite. Um, lived in the same house my whole life. Same room till my sister moved out. Then I traded rooms with her because she had the bigger room. Mm-hmm. I didn't even wait for her to like go to college. I was already moving boxes in. Mm-hmm. Seriously hurt her feelings. It's just you and on you, that. You, you and your sister. Yeah, my sister, one sister. Okay, uh, she's eight years older than I am. Oh wow, quite a so bit. So quite older. a difference. And um, yeah, grew up in Mesquite and uh, Christian home, Christian grandparents, like a long legacy of belief that threads through kind of all the, the topics and the conversations and time together. So, um, yeah, we, uh, that was it. We, we, we would joke that our whole family fit in one car, extended family. Like mm. we were very small. My dad didn't have any siblings. My mm. mom's siblings lived far away. And so all of us could like, you know, it was like five. That was our extended family. Very small. <laughs> so you remember faith being a part of your life growing up. Do you remember having a, like a Billy no, Graham moment? No, yeah. Billy Graham moment. I do. I did go to a Billy Graham crusade. I do remember that. Um, or one of his, you know, talks. Um, no, it was more gradual, like y'all have talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Just always knowing. And I do remember different moments of acting on that faith or having him draw me to him in, in new ways. Um, I, I mean, my official was like in middle school. I remember having a, a terrible year in seventh grade of just not having anybody to connect with, feeling very alone and making all kinds of compromises in the name of having a friend. And then after that year thinking, man, this isn't who I am. Hmm. I need to like just shed this. I wish I'd had that year in seventh grade instead of my freshman year in college. Do you feel, you feel like that, like maybe, maybe this seventh grade version of, um, Jess and Laura, uh, compromises might've looked a little shedding something. <laughs> yeah. Might've looked a little better. Than... I mean, I feel like I maybe did that more frequently than once. It was like a snake growing <laughs> like out of its just, skin. Yeah. Just needed to it was just the starting I mean it, it was the 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 moment of like I'm gonna be serious and own this mm-hmm. well and that's myself. I think I said this on the the last podcast we recorded is um that's the Are you prayer reference Jackson Woolsey I'm so. not going to um I'm going <laughs> to reference what I've been praying over my again. children is that their faith would become increasingly real to them right not I mean and, and not the faith of their parents, um, not the faith of their youth pastors, but that it would become really, really real in their lives. Mm-hmm. What's sometimes a little bit scary, um, and maybe that's maybe that's not true um, from people that grew up in the church. I'm pointing at Laura and 
Joanna because that is not necessarily how I would characterize what my what what my back was background was but um like there's a like there's an element where you where their faith becomes their own that there's a real wrestling that mm-hmm. like um that happens that that or, or at least for me I felt like there was an like I actually felt rescued and um to be rescued you have to be like in grave danger right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that you had that, you had that awareness young, that you were compromising some things. Yeah, that... just, it wasn't who I was called to be. I mean, like I just had created a whole identity for myself feeling like I needed to. Mm-hmm. And then just having that summer away and having God speak to my heart and say, this isn't who you are. It's not who you were called to be. Mm-hmm. We'll call seventh grade Joanna Jojo. Yeah. <laughs> it's not who you're she's not called Jojo. to be. <laughs> you're Joanna. Well, that's when uh, Joe Mama jokes came out. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I, my seventh oh, grade I nickname might, was Joe jo Mama. Mama. I might nice. start calling that you Joe Mama. I, I, I feel strongly. She shed that. No, she shed can that. Can I Jess. call you Joe Mama? <laughs> sure. If you need to. I mean, I saw her <laughs> skipping down the hallway in a in a fairy like fashion to let me in at a freedom prayer the other Aww. night. I'm like, that seems like Joe Mama. That seems yes, I could see that being true. So anyway. Yeah. Um so can you tell us about a time that God brought you through something really difficult? That he showed up in a major way. I guess saying really difficult isn't fair. That God showed up in a major way. We don't have to say really difficult. Sure, although probably I mean gosh I mean, I know, I know Joe Mama is only like he's only like 22 years old, but mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine living 22 years <laughs> without having something incredibly difficult, difficult happening. Yeah, sure. Brought you through. Uh, so I feel like it's a fair question mm-hmm. either way. You, either well, I way think you, you have, I think in every stage of life, there are difficult mm-hmm. things and God is faithful in all of those. You know, he has... I don't know. I feel like you could choose any segment of five years and there would be like a, a story of how God moved in that time or what he taught me in that time. Um, maybe one of the biggest ones, I there, there are a few big ones, but like uh, what I'm thinking of right now is uh, like when my husband and I've been married about 13 years, feeling like we were on the brink of being over. Hmm. Um and I, I remember giving uh, my husband an anniversary gift and thinking in my heart, like, this is probably the last one I'll ever give him. Mm. I think we're done. And just being, like, heartbroken. But, like, mm. at the same time, anyway, having this conversation with God of, like, okay, I know what you've called me to do. Mm. There's fault on both sides. Um but I need, I need you to do what I cannot do. I need you to soften hearts and change what we can't do ourselves. And I, I remember we were at DBC at the time, and um, I don't even know who it was. But I, I remember hearing someone talk at church about how their family had been falling apart and they had felt convicted to start fasting just one day a week 
And I thought, okay, well, I know fasting's supposed to be like subtle. People aren't supposed to know you're doing it. So I just thought, okay, I can probably do like a breakfast and a lunch and no one will catch me on that. But if I can't do a dinner, it's too obvious because mm-hmm. we're all eating together and all, you know, kids were younger. So we had simpler schedules. Uh, but yeah, in that now t- I feel like I could totally get away with that. I could totally <laughs> do that now. No one knows if I had dinner or not. <laughs> yeah. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in, in that time frame, just saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to do what you called me to do. I'm, and I'm going to ask you through this fasting one day a week to move. Um, you know, and even especially like, I don't know if I can say this, but like in moments of being intimate together where your heart is so not in it because mm-hmm. you're hurting so much mm-hmm. to take those times because it like, like I said, my heart wasn't in it, but to like pray through that, Lord, mm-hmm. what have you called us to be? please make this relationship and this part of our relationship what what you designed it to be a picture of Christ and the church and and something that's life-giving and draws the lost world to you because anyway that's some very <laughs> theological prayers in the moment <laughs> because my heart was not in it <laughs> that is Joanna, that is that is hot <laughs> I know, which would probably really upset my husband but it was like i didn't start crying well, i i mean <laughs> during I, let, let's just let let it be known that i'm i'm i know for sure i i identify with that that's <laughs> happened to me before i'm it's probably happened to you. Mine's more like, dear God, let me stop running through the to-do list in <laughs> but my mind it's, right that, now. That is reminding me of Laura. Laura I think Laura and I's favorite comedian is Nate, Nate Bargatze. Mm-hmm. And um, he does this bit where he talks about like where he's like in a fight with his wife and they don't live in a mansion. <laughs> and so they occasionally, like they're giving each other the silent treatment and they have occasionally have to pass each other in the hall. And, and then it's very awkward because they, they, they assume this level of extreme politeness, like, excuse, excuse me, me, madam, me, excuse me. <laughs> excuse, like mm-hmm. as they scooch by each other in the hall. <laughs> when, and but that anyway, be, all that yes. to say, there's times where that like thing, you know, that in order for there to be connection, in order for there to be healing, things need to happen, but it doesn't, it, it, it sometimes it can, your feel really... heart feels far from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but in in that those moments to say, Lord, I'm I'm surrendering, and if mm-hmm. this falls apart and we don't get to anniversary fourteen, like I'd I've done everything that you've called me to do in this process, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you know, and, and and in that time, you're like feeling so lonely and broken, and in so many different ways, you know, on both sides. Um, Spoiler alert: We're still married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Yes. And and over like the next three years, it was just a sweet recovery. Mm-hmm. That you know, it was like better than it had ever been, and um, just started to see the fruit of letting God do what we couldn't do for ourselves. In that, and there was also a sweet time. I, um, you know, one of my like main insecurities is like not feeling wanted or valuable or like, I guess maybe like people can pass over me, you know, and everybody has their thing, Mm -hmm, but that's 
one where I can get hit pretty quick. Um, and so in, in the middle of like feeling like your marriage is falling apart, like that flag can go up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had just had, like I'm not feeling wanted by the person who's supposed to want me most. I'm not, I'm not yeah, feeling like, celebrated by the one who's supposed to celebrate me most. Mm, yeah. Like there's just always something else more interesting mm-hmm. is maybe the way I would put it. Okay. Um, but in that time, like, so that was the marriage, but then just personally, um, we had had Elliot, our son about, mm, he was probably like six months old, I guess. Um, and the Lord was just so sweet. I remember one more night going to bed and saying, Lord, I need my time with you, but I'm so tired, like new baby, just exhausted. I need my time with you. I need you to help me get up. So the next morning at five o'clock, Elliot starts crying and I walk down the hall and I get to the door. I touch the doorknob and he stops crying. I'm like, oh, sweet. Walk back down the hall to my bedroom and he starts crying. And so I go back, touch the doorknob and he stops. And like it happens a few times and I'm like, well, I'm up now. And so I go spend some time with the Lord. Um, The next morning at 5 a.m., he starts crying. This is like Samuel. It happens mm-hmm. over, it happened for six months. Mm. He would cry. I would walk, I'd get to the door, he'd stop. Some, <laughs> this is so stupid, but I would even like, some mornings I would walk backwards to my room. <laughs> like, to, like, maybe the sound is maybe, different. God, I don't know. <laughs> Just so stupid. But for six months, like at 5 a.m., he would cry. And he would cry until I stayed up and talked with the Lord. And, and those times were not, they were like some of the most boring times with Jesus I've ever had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just was reading. I wasn't getting it anything wasn't out of you, it. It wasn't you, Jesus, that was boring. Mm-hmm. Joanna was I really was boring. not connecting. Yeah. My mind was distracted. Mm-hmm. It just felt flat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to this Bible study one day and um, the leader said, don't you just love it when the Lord pulls up a chair for you and says, sit here. I just want to spend time with you. Oh my gosh. And my heart just melted because I was like, that's it. That's my insecurity that nobody, like I'm, people can pass over me. But even in this time when I've been so boring, Mm -hmm. I know it's been boring, you know, like he's I'm bored with myself. I'm bored with myself. (laughs) Like, let's go to bed. This is terrible. Let's just sleep. (laughs) And, and, and yet it was such sweet medicine for me to, to hear that, that like, even when I'm not entertaining, he wants to spend time with me. Um, so that was in that whole time frame of like feeling like our marriage was falling apart and having the Lord put it back together and just feeling value in who he made me to be. Like how that did, I didn't how have do you it. feel like the Lord put it back together? The, our marriage? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was like a miracle because it was like he just changed our hearts. There was no... Um, it's like that verse, like the king's heart is like channels of water in the Lord's hands. Am I quoting that correctly? Um, I don't I know. totally know. Not give <laughs> I believe that was in Micah, Micah 2, 8, part of the New up. Testament. It's either so, in the New Testament or the Old Testament. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, well, and you know, like, it just I don't, was, I think that part of what can knit you back together is when you stop and and maybe i don't know this is something i've probably had to work through in my own 
marriage and life is I stopped looking out here to feel valuable 100%. I'm, I'm pointing Lord, horizontal, yeah. horizontally. This is, Laura and I always behave as if people can see us. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that you started getting your value from where it was intended to get. Yeah. That was a weird begotten. sentence. Begotten. Begotten, yeah. Begotten, not but made. But where, where you, like, you weren't looking to Jeff yeah and there were some other like relationships that came like uh Jeff had some people coming in supporting him and I had some people coming in speaking into me and so it was like um there were some outside sources speaking into the mess and oh and I can't forget this there was a sweet couple in our life group that we were doing testimonies I can't believe I forgot about this but they we were just sharing our stories and probably the catalyst for healing was they were sharing their story and it was like chapter by chapter exactly what was happening in our lives. And then all of a sudden they had like five more chapters past us, if that makes sense. Sure. And so it was like we could see exactly where we were and then they were offering a projection of what was coming. And was it good news? It was not good news. Oh, it was not, it was good, not news. good news. Oh, gosh. Okay. And so it was just, you know, and they were still together, but they were just surviving you know um so it felt like kind of a wake-up call to like um we don't want to go this is not where we want to go this is not the book we want to have we need we need the lord to pick up his pen (laughs) tear out some pages I (laughs) i think too what you said a second ago was important that um you said you both had your stuff yeah and you were to me, that's one of the biggest healing agents for a marriage, other than you know God intervening. But is both of you, taking a look at yourself instead of looking at the other person and saying, "Well, you did this and you did this." You can certainly be honest, but you can only control and change right. what you can control and change. And then, per your prayers, you were. I mean, I've I've said that a bunch recently too. Um, that we are we as humans are not the changers of hearts and minds of other people. We can pray for their heart. We can pray for their mind. We can pray for our heart and pray for our mind and then let God do what he does. And let him do the rest. Mm-hmm. I think I heard Jackson Wolsey say that one time. You know, he's a good dude. <laughs> he's got a lot of good things to say that I might reference on this podcast again. <laughs> this was about identity. Um, so, yeah, so you guys, you, and, and I like that it wasn't a, a lightning bolt. It wasn't overnight. It was. No, it, was, it took a long time. Yeah, several years. Uh, I I know that you've shared this story before, or it's been shared about you. Awesome. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> uh, like, but there's a lot of new people at our church, Joanna, and y'all have a really cool story about grafting new members into sure. your family. Can, I, would you mind sharing yeah. that a little bit? Well, and actually, that was part of like post healing of the marriage, right? Part of the fruit of what he did with a healed home and healed hearts. Uh, my, my heart has always been for adoption. That's always been something I dreamed about. Uh, not so much for my husband. We joke that like when I was little, I, think I, would, I literally just heard your toes. My toes did just literally. <laughs> I don't know if the mic picked that up, but if you heard I didn't it, hear it. <laughs> that was Joanna's toes cracking. 
I don't know if I've ever seen someone crack their toes before. You're welcome. Bravo. Okay, I'm sorry. Continue. Um, so you had already always had a heart for adoption. Always wanted Jeff, to adopt. Not as much. Um, and Jeff did not. So we kind of joked about that growing up of what I would daydream about. I wanted a kid from each continent mm. and I would be really so stupid bummed about like, I can't get one from Antarctica. How can I make this complete? No one is procreating on Antarctica. <laughs> no, It's too cold. So they, um, I know it's yeah. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yes. I was going, just zip me, just zip me up, wrap me in a cacoo, cocoon. Okay. Yes. So we, um, yeah, I'd always wanted to adopt and, uh, Jeff, not so much, but you know, we, we kept coming up to this almost point of where maybe we'll adopt, maybe we'll adopt, but like, I, it just wasn't truthfully, it wasn't God's timing at the mm -hmm. time. I didn't, we didn't really know that, but it was just like, it, it never really worked out. And then, um, Finally, I, I was praying and saying, like, God, this is so on my heart. I'm, I'm so burdened because, like, adoption is a picture of salvation. You've called us to do it. And my heart is, like, breaking for these kids. Um, and, you know, and, and I was praying about it. Went, went for a walk around the neighborhood. We were about to, like, start the process again. And I very clearly heard the Lord say no. So much that I like, I literally, and I do mean literally, like jumped because it was mm. so loud and clear. And I was like, well, okay, I guess that's it. Like, and this peace came over me. And so I was like, okay, we're not going to do it. But then I kept thinking about the verses and like, this can't be biblical because he tells us to take care of the orphans. And like, I don't know. So I worked myself up into a tizzy and then started talking to Don Moody about it. And I was like, I just like, I don't know what to do. And she said, if the Lord said, no, it's a no. And again, like this peace came over me. And so I was like, okay, this time I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to let it lie. The Lord has plans for us. And, and maybe my part in this is just to pray for those who do adopt. And, and it's not my part to do it myself. Um, but then several years later, um, Jeff's dad was volunteering with CASA and, uh, he had come across this sibling group that couldn't, wasn't being adopted. It's three kiddos and they weren't being adopted. And for about 10 minutes, he considered adopting them himself, Jeff's dad. Jeff's dad. Mm. I mean, it was a tiny short amount of time, but his main concern was the youngest one that he couldn't, he just felt too old to take the baby. And so Jeff and I thought, well, what if we take the baby and he takes the older two, <laughs> like it all kind of worked together. And, and then he pulled out and said, I'm, I'm too old for any of it. But in that process, like God got a hold of Jeff's heart that time. And he was the one that God was communicating with saying, these are the kids you need to go and adopt these kids. They're the ones, they're the reason we've said no all along the way. Um, so we started the process that was uh, part of his story is that, um, one of our traditions is that we like make chain paper links of all the things we're thankful for. And we hang them up on our ceiling for Thanksgiving. And our goal 
is to make a thousand links as a family of things that we're thankful for. And so every day, like we have a topic, friends you're thankful for the next day is maybe like. You do this throughout the year? No, it's the month of November. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we make this thing. And so I had hung them up across the. A thousand is a lot for a month. Bravo. No, a thousand, is it a thousand for the month or a thousand? In a month. Oh, like we wow. come up with a thousand really things. Thankful. That's awesome. It's such a great exercise though. It's quickly ruined by the Christmas list, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> quickly ruined. but Thanksgiving chains are a great start. And, uh, so Jeff was like sitting in the chairs, just looking at the, the, what he calls the banner of love, like of all the things that we had to be thankful for and just, for him feeling like the Lord's provided for us. And I have all these fears of taking on more children because I feel like I have to provide for them. But the truth is he's provided for all of us already. Mm. And so that was kind of his moment of jumping in and saying, okay, I trust you, Lord, you're calling us to this. We're going to, we're going to go for it. Um, so then we start doing all the paperwork and go through the process. And then a, we get a, we st- like, uh, having that because we have three biological kids and adding three new kids would require bedroom space. And so we start ripping out the kids' bedrooms and building lofts so that we can actually fit three kids in this room and three kids in that room. And we're in the halfway through, like all this stuff is ripped out and we get a call saying they're moving to another state thank you, but no, thank you. We're done. Um, and it was really shocking because we just felt so clearly called and unified in this. Um, but we'd been clearly told by the state to drop it and to stop. So with that, we, we finished the rooms, but we stopped doing the classes and finishing. We, we probably had like a month's worth of stuff left to do. We'd done about two months worth of stuff, classes and such. How was um, your? How were you feeling in that time when you heard that news? Uh, crushed and confused. But then it was interesting because, like, I kept hearing the Lord saying, "Keep going, keep going." But then Jeff was in a spot of like, "I misheard. I was a fool," mm-hmm. and like, really doubting all of it. Um, so it kind of put us at odds a little bit of how, how do we follow this? Um, so it finally came to a point about f- five months later where we hadn't done anything. And I just said like, hey, I, I don't know what the Lord's doing, but um, if we don't finish this, I will always doubt and always wonder. And so from from my sake, <laughs> just... Mm-hmm. In following Jesus, like, can we just finish the classes? Hmm. And I won't make you adopt anybody else. <laughs> like, I won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because part of the fear is, like, that you go through all these classes and you hear all the things that could be, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, that's just being honest. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, and so Jeff agreed to that, said, okay, we'll finish the classes and then we'll, we'll see what the Lord does mm-hmm. with that. Uh, so we did that. And then about maybe two months later, they still hadn't come, but I just kept hearing they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. I wouldn't even be praying about it. And I would hear the Lord's Mm -hmm. voice say, they're coming, like keep, you know? And so we had 
six beds set up in our house for these kids. And people would come by and say like, wow, you have a lot of beds for your three kids. <laughs> it was just kind of awkward. Um, they get yeah. to choose. It's kind of a choose your own adventure yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. So then kind of the end of that was like, then I heard the Lord saying, they're going to be here before school starts. And this was already summer. And, uh, we get a call two weeks before school starts the day before we go on vacation, that they're going to move in the day we get back from vacation. Oh gosh. We hadn't told our kids, like, I mean, they knew we were thinking of fostering and all that, but they didn't know it was these three specific kids and they didn't know all the details that we knew. Um, so we go on vacation, we tell them, Hey, when you go home, people are moving in. And it was just this surreal, but it also felt like victory. Like in that moment, it felt very and you much. You guys said, yes, yes, let's do it. And let's we said, go. yes, let's do it because this is what we felt like the Lord was telling us. It felt to me, I kept picturing Noah's Ark and him building that Ark up That's on the exactly mountain what I was just thinking. with no promise and looking like a fool. Mm -hmm. It felt very foolish because we thought they were living in another state, right? And mm -hmm. if they're in another state, they're going to go into that system. Like they're not coming back here. I'm thinking field of dreams. <laughs> no, I was it. totally thinking Noah's Ark and that people were going, what are you doing? What are you yeah. building? And yes, that's, it, it, that's a real test of, it felt foolish. Well, it feels crazy. You kind crazy. of feel like, yeah. am I a crazy person that yeah, I'm continuing to stay? Do you not think stay? Kevin Costner felt crazy building that baseball field? That's in true. And the, yeah. the wheat field? And shoeless Joe Jackson's, Jackson showed up. <laughs> I know. Um, so anyway, and so, so now, in that in that season, yeah. can you just kind of tell us a little bit about how you took care of yourself, how you took like how you and Jeff were communicating about that, and like were y'all just kind of like eggshells? Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of, <laughs> uh, yeah, because he was almost to the point of being concerned about me. Like almost, it felt like an obsession to him. Like it isn't happening. It's not happening. Mm you know, and so, um, but at the same, I mean, it was out like of our he hands. Felt like you were obsessed. Like I needed to let it go. Gotcha. Like everyone had said it wasn't going to happen. I needed to let it go. And he was starting to get concerned mm -hmm. that I was not letting it go. Um, but man, when he got that call, it was like, I don't know. A hallelujah moment. And he knew, too. And he knew, his... because he knew what he'd heard originally. It just, after so many people telling you no, it's like, I must have been wrong. I must have misheard or, you know, sure. started doubting motives and all kinds of things like that. Yeah, but now, uh, this summer, they'll be with us three years. They were adopted about a year and a half ago. They lived with us a year and a half in foster. And so we're coming up on three years of... Six kiddos. I don't really know most of your kiddos except Martin Reed, who, yes. um, Martin, uh, is, Martin has my heart. He's a little extra. <laughs> He's kind of intense. I Lincoln love, loves Martin. I love Martin Reed. I mean, he is, um, he's personality plus. Yes, for sure. For sure. And part of that is maybe the youngest of six, right? Like. Mm -hmm. He knows yeah. how to be heard. Yes. But I, I just adore him. Well, and, you know, 
that's a part of the story. Yeah. And it's amazing. And the story is reality continues to happen. And I, you know, it, it has not all been sunshine and rainbows. No, it hasn't. It's, uh, and I think for me, it was harder than I thought it would be because, because I had always dreamed of adoption because I saw my own salvation Mm. as a picture of being adopted into God's family. And that was beautiful and good and wonderful. Um, I think on this side of being an adoptive parent, I see it more as like, and this may sound terrible, but I I see it as unnatural. Mm -hmm. Like our being adopted into God's family is not natural. It's still good. And we're still family, but like there's a rub of, of the grafting of the two things that are not alike. Um, but it's beautiful and, and he does it with such grace and kindness and keeps calling us back to him, you know? And, and don't you think, I, 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 I don't know, like the, like the thing about adoption that makes it, um. And, and I don't just necessarily mean like just our adopt like adoption on earth, but but I love that that picture that it's like that that's exactly what it is. It's like putting something that's not alike yeah. together, right? Mm-hmm. And um and it's 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 almost like kind of the very nature of God of of like calling something into existence. Yeah, like His Word says it's so. So um, this is not your son. And now this is and your now son. It is. I say it, and so it is. And yeah. um, I don't know. I, to me, there's some, there's something incredibly profound about that. Like incredibly profound about it's not just that like we're, you know, and and it, it you know chosen from the beginning, like you know all yeah. that, which t- true I believe too. But that but that like he's calling that which is not as if it is, and and his word says it. And it and it, and he speaks things into existence. And now it is. Mm-hmm. I call you son, and so you are. You are. Mm-hmm. I call you daughter, and so you are. Yeah. Right, like Gideon, even calling him a mighty warrior when he's hiding. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that's true in all, so many situations. It's like, whether you're not feeling love for a spouse or a child, but you say, "I love you because you are loved and you're worthy of love," whether I feel it now or not. Um, I'm calling you loved because you are my, my college pastor. I've probably shared this on the, on the podcast before, but my college pastor, Lynn Woods and his wife, Cindy are, are super dear to me, super dear friends. But, um, I remember Lynn telling me one time that when he and Lindy, when he and Cindy, Lynn, Lynn and Cindy, when he and Cindy were like in an argument that he, he, they would say to each other, I love you on faith. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, that's, that's what it is. It, that's, 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 I'm just speaking into it. I yeah. love you on faith. Yeah. It, it's been a gift. And I, and I, um, it, taking the two sides of like from the kid's perspective of, both sets of kids lost their family, Hmm. you know, and people can see, well, the ones that were adopted, obviously they lost the family they were taken from and that's heartbreaking. 
and good and redemptive and still heartbreaking. But then the biological kids also lost their family, right? They had to shift and move in a major way. Um, And so there have been a lot of conversations of just um, trusting God in the process and a lot of conversations about acknowledging where the other one is coming from, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're coming, like new child is coming in and like, look, I have a new house and a new room and this is my new bed. And old child is saying, this was my room and now I've got to share it with you who is being really happy and touching all my things, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like just, um, they're just two sides to that. Um, one, they're both feeling lost, but in, in different ways. And so, uh, it's kind of been complicated to, to navigate in that way. And then simple things that are not, not important, but like genetics come into it. Like if we, if we do a vote in our house, it often will split either down genetic lines or gender lines, right? Like who wants the spicy food? Who doesn't want the spicy food? That goes down genetic lines. Mm-hmm. Who wants the this movie or that movie? Like, it, mm-hmm. there's just often a split of three. And so merging those things, and it's been, they told us in training it would take about two That's years. That's why it would, have, it, would been, it would have been helpful if your father-in-law had adopted one of the children to just, like, offset the numbers. Just offset the numbers mm-hmm. so we don't <laughs> have so many ties. You need yeah, to not so many ties, yeah. Well, I remember you saying that because some of that, I remember I, um, when when I was, I brought Lincoln over to your house, um, you were saying, like, if there's a night, if there's a vote to, are we going to stay in and do games, are we going to go out and do whatever, that that can be very divided, yeah. too. And, again, there is, there's loss in that, but because we serve a good father. There's also lessons in that. There's lessons. Of, like and you said, seeing the other perspective and putting somebody before yourself and being able to compromise or even sometimes being able to stand up for what you really want. Yeah. Do you do secret ballot? <laughs> because that might help. <laughs> I, I think uh, being about three years in, it's like things are coming together. It doesn't feel as stressful as it did. It's starting to feel normal. Um, I think my kids still get annoyed with like the funny looks, you know, when we drive up or we go someplace public and you see people counting as you walk by mm. all the time, you know, uh, it doesn't bother me so much. Like but how it, many children? You yes. Have? People often count our heads as we go they're by. They're celebrating us, everybody. They they're think we're celebrating. awesome. <laughs> they're wanting to give us birth control. That's what they're wanting <laughs> <Yes>. to do. <laughs> yeah. so. I actually almost sent one of my neighbors who has six kids. I like picked something up off her porch um, the other day, and I almost sent her a text that said, your porch is my birth control. <laughs> I'm sure that would have gone well <laughs> just all the things on her porch I was like wow and I'm surprised I found the thing that you left out for me <laughs> that's so funny mm-hmm. yeah but it, it's it's been I've a often gift told and I've my seen... friend one of my friends that has four kids her laundry is my birth control mm-hmm. you know what I haven't secret I haven't done the kids laundry in three years what do you do you send it out they do their own oh that's nice Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend that. Yeah. That's boss, I, I did it for a couple months when they move. came and I was Pro like, tip. this is going to kill me. Mm-hmm. So nope. in Pro the tip. interest of being alive, giving them life skills, do your own laundry. Yes. I'm done. Yep. And it works. 
<laughs> I had a, some good natural consequence teaching in that too. Get it done or don't have clean clothes. Yeah. It's up to you. Um, so I want to circle back a little bit because I know that in the last two years, lots of marriages have struggled. Yeah. And, and obviously marital problems are, are you not feeling like sometimes, cutter. um, that's because absence makes the heart grow fonder and we haven't had a lot of absence from one another. You and marriage. I, Oh, in the last two years? Yes. Um, I was like, you and I? Um, No, not you and I. I I'm just saying, like, do you feel like the togetherness of the last two years I think that the the togetherness of the last two years, the stress of the last two years, um, that it could be that. I I, I think it it probably put some some problems under a microscope a little bit, and and the togetherness made them more pronounced. who, who's to say, but I know a lot of marriages have struggled. And obviously we live in a culture where lots of marriages struggle. Yeah. Um, and, and just so we, to be clear, it's not Laura's. No, ours is great. Um, <laughs> she's making fun of me because once I was talking about Kaylin and I having a very good, easy marriage, I was not bragging because I was not saying it was anything we had done. But it was right after a was couple was sharing a, a couple was sharing uh, their difficult difficulties in marriage, and Laura's like, "It was poor. Our timed. marriage is great. It's wonderful, and it, we never have problems." <laughs> it wasn't a well placed comment, but it was true nonetheless. Um, so you you can't say you anything were, in front of me as you were walking through that healing. How did you? what would you say were some of the most important things you did and how did you stay patient? Because I think people are waiting for the, I, I, I think about, this is not an appropriate movie to reference, but like the pretty woman scene where Richard Gears like comes up in the limo with the roses out the top of the, you know, like this big gesture where it changes everything and, and not what reality usually holds for us. So what would you say are some of the, things that were most important to you in that time and to y'all's healing? The, um, I think for, for me, this, and this isn't really spiritual. Um, it, I'm sorry. It, it may be, be sort spiritual of spiritual on this may, podcast. <laughs> it was, I, I don't, it was maybe a mix of pride and spiritual, which is how sometimes things roll. But I just, I just decided like I, I wasn't going to be the I was going to give it all that I had and give God all the space that he needed because I didn't want it to fall apart and, and have any regrets, if that makes sense. Um, I just wanted, I didn't want it to fall apart, but I just, I like, I couldn't do anything about it. So it was just being reliant on him to say, I, I need you to fix it and I'm going to just keep surrendering to you. Mm-hmm. I can't change his heart. I can't change his. Here's, here's me and I'm in your hands. So Mm -hmm. help. Mm -hmm. Um, like truly humbly putting yourself at the throne and saying like, have your way here. I've got nothing. Mm -hmm. I have no solutions for this. I I had a patient this week. That's father is struggling. The father has cancer there's some like mental health stuff that's happening with the father and the, the patient, it was 
Let's shoot. I if I had a dollar for how many times patients ask me, how can I browbeat my spouse or other loved one into coming mm-hmm. to get help either from a therapist or get medicated like, you know, and 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 it's it's they don't ever love what I what I have to say, which is like, you can't. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. Um there's no, there's no other answer to that question. There, yeah, cannot. right. Like, right. I mean, you can try to manipulate people into doing something different. You can try to make people do stuff, but it's generally a very frustrating process because the the reality is, it's not yours to do. It's not like, yours. It's, and the two options there are either they won't do it, or they will do it only to get you to stop, and it won't be meaningful. It, it, yeah. Absolutely. Right. And so anyway, it, it is, it, there's so much, I mean, I think you and I have had that like conversation recently, Laura, where it, like there is, there's so much like, so much, so much of what I think God is doing in, in all of our hearts is like this opening of our hands, like taking our death grip off of yeah. things, opening our hands, relinquishing them to him, trusting him, mm-hmm. trusting him with our children, trusting him with our spouse, trusting him with our parents, trusting, like trusting him with our friends and, 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 and just allowing him to do what he's going to do and realize like, we aren't puppet masters. We mm-hmm. aren't, um, you're not going to white knuckle it through this for long. No. Mm. Which I think is why it's like, like why the fasting came mm. into that is because it's such a, an act of worship in the sense of like, this has to be you. I, in those moments of hunger and pain and wanting to say, Lord, it's gotta be you. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, on a physical sense seems so unrelated, but on a spiritual sense, I really think that's what changed the trajectory of our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I knew who that dear woman was that said that at church but I really have no idea um and so you just felt things slowly start to things just started shifting shifting because it's funny I I did not know that part of your story um and not that outward appearances mean anything but I would never have thought that you guys had been through that like well and there's I think it's hard when you're in those places because I, you don't want to badmouth your spouse. You mm-hmm. don't like, how do you, it's hard to get the help that you need, um, in a way that's respectful, but honest and helpful. And, and in, and then in the moment it's like, there's so many layers of emotion and mess that it's like, it can be really time consuming and hard to get to the bottom of well and contrary to popular opinion Kaylin and I of course have been through our stuff and there is that piece of probably some of my pride like I don't want people to know what's really going on part part of it part of me feeling protective of him like I don't want to expose him looking like a jerk or me looking like a jerk right um and so it, it is hard to I, or I think it's complicated to get help right. in those times. But we also need the body, you know, so it's tricky. So I, I think that's, so now I'm th- saying it again. It's like we had, we had the life group and the couple that spoke up. We had the fasting and the prayer and then just the open hands of God. It's got to be you. Mm-hmm. 
And I think all those things together, he, he moved a mountain for us. Mm-hmm. And I, not because we deserved it or did anything different than any other hurting couple. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so grateful that he did, yeah. you know, because we love our marriage now mm-hmm. and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, at that time, I, I would have not even thought that to be possible. Well, Joanna, if you had a a big ask prayer, that really sounded like you did not do well. I did not enunciate. There was no K. (laughs) A big ask Mm -hmm. prayer Mm -hmm. uh, for your life, your ministry, your your family. What would that be? Um, I remember going. I know y'all are probably familiar with Time to Revive. We went to Revive Indiana. Uh, mm-hmm. Kyle and Laura went to our life group back in the day. Um, and we were invited to go to Indiana and visit with them. And one of the times that Kyle was talking, he was just challenging us to say prayers that were like not statistically likely. You know what I mean? So not praying for safety to grandma's house. Mm not praying for your brother to get over the flu, but big asks big, right. Mm -hmm. And to really, um, stretch what, and to like, to think of the Bible and all the things that he does that are beyond what we could imagine and just life altering in the best of ways. Um, so I have a story on, so at, at that time, and that was several years ago, Again, back on the adoption theme, um, something I would do is there's a website where you can look on, see the waiting children, like mm-hmm. kids who are waiting to be adopted. Um, this is a story. Do we have time for a story? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Always. Uh, yes. Always time for a story. So at that time, there were like 100,000 kids ready to be adopted mm-hmm. in the U.S., and I remember hearing somewhere that there were more than 100,000 churches in the U.S. And just feeling sick. Like if one family in every church right, adopted, we would have no more kids in foster care. Um, Ooh, that's, it's convicting, oh, right? Yeah. Ouch. And so um, in that, I thought, okay, Lord, I'm going to ask something big. I'm going to be bold. Like I want you in a year to eliminate, like to have every child in foster care adopted in a Christian loving home by the end of the year. You can do it. Right. And so I was praying on that for like, for this year long period. And I would watch this website and I'd see kids be taken off, you know, and I would like pray for them and, and just rejoice when pictures would disappear and the new, new pictures would come on. And, um, about at, at the kind of at the year mark, I don't know exactly. I remember praying, not really praying, yelling at God probably is more accurate. Just like you put this on my heart to pray for this and you haven't moved. Like what wh- I felt so strongly to can, that this is what I needed to pray for. I mean, I see no results. What up with that? Um, and then after kind of letting him have it, uh, my phone binged with the podcast and, and, I don't really listen to podcasts. Like I kind of feel like that was a miracle. Like I don't mm-hmm. subscribe to these things. Other it just showed up. Of, of course, shameless plug. So <laughs> uh, this podcast popped up 
and it was all about this man, I think he was from Germany, somewhere in Europe, who felt called to the orphans in China. I don't know if y'all know this story. And essentially, he had moved the local Christians in China, and they had adopted 300,000 orphans out of their institutions. And it was just this beautiful story of like, I mean, the timing, it was like two seconds after I stopped mm-hmm. telling God what was up that this podcast came in. And he said, look, I did three times what you asked. Like, keep asking. Mm-hmm. Keep asking. Um, He's like, you didn't say which country. You did. <laughs> I did say which country. <laughs> <laughs> but... Mm. That but to he me said, was just. I am moving. He's I'm like, moving. I, I'll see your request and I'll raise you two hundred thousand kids. Yeah, and and I just think it's so cool because it's in a country where you're not supposed to be mm-hmm. Christian, in a country where bloodline is so important, mm-hmm. uh, and yet all these kids are being given new opportunities mm-hmm. there. Uh, so my big prayer is still the same. Like I want every kid out of foster care and in a loving home. Um, I haven't been looking on the websites anymore, like checking the faces go, but like, that's my prayer because Mm -hmm. it is a picture of salvation. And I just feel like it's like the, those kids need a home. They need to know they're loved. The world needs to know that they're worthwhile. Um, so that's kind of my, my big world, Mm -hmm. big prayer. Um, on a personal level, my big prayer that feels not quite as impossible, but still impossible, is like, I just, I need to be more of an encourager. I tend to be really blunt and harsh. And I think my kids would benefit from me sounding more like Jesus, hmm. you know? Because when he corrects us, he's such a, to quote Annie Mooney, he's such a gentleman, you know? And it's like, it's such a pleasure to be rebuked by him, mm-hmm. you know? because it's, it's cloaked in such grace and kindness. Um, so my personal big prayer would just be that I want my words to represent him better to the people I live with or don't live with, whoever I'm talking to. <laughs> I think that's yeah. a great prayer. Oh, I love that. I do too. I'm going to join I, you in both those I prayers. Think, I think I can too. Yeah, that feels, that's awesome. Yeah, I, that's probably near and dear to your heart too, Laura. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, and I feel, yeah, that's, that's, those are really special prayers, and I think exactly, not that we're supposed to, but um, what we should want as believers, to be more like Jesus, and to see people he loves taken care of. Yeah, yeah, because we're all worth love. Well, and that's also right. that compassion, that compassion for um, kids that are lost, and mm-hmm. kids that are homeless, and kids that are orphaned and um because on a very real level that is all that we are mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. yeah well joanna um i mean laura and i just love you and You're incredible um, yes we i mean we 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 know you from before this but i we just are so grateful that you agreed to come on the podcast um i know that you are not a stand in the spotlight kind of gal uh <laughs> So I know that this is probably harder for you than it is for some people, but we do appreciate you being so willing to talk and share mm-hmm. your story. And yeah, I, I was just thinking what you said um, 
in the podcast that sometimes you don't feel like or didn't feel like you were first pick or chosen or the one that was noticed as much. And um, when we were talking about this season, um, not that you need validation from us, <laughs> but um, you were very much our top pick. And we just appreciate you so much coming on. Well, and course, it, it, well in, in fairness, I think she was a top pick like two seasons That's ago. That's true. <laughs> yes. And then like we were going to have her and then it was like the COVID year. Like mm-hmm. I think we had already even asked her mm-hmm. and then it was like the COVID year and then... So you yeah. are seen and celebrated, and um, at least we have by long these two wanted yahoos. to have you on the podcast. <laughs> we have long wanted to have you on the podcast. Well, so. thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Yeah. Well, and thank you guys for joining us on Embarrassment of Riches. Bye.